can I tell you how happy it makes me to see some of those faces? Uh, a face like Ibrahim, who's one of the nationals there, is an elder at the church at Iaru, to see uh, Cephas and Biba, who are uh, nationals who are partners there, part of the hub, and then to see Mark, our, our missionary there. It just thrills my heart. And then to know those children that are there, some of the villages you just, you just saw. Those folks have never heard the gospel until just a few years ago. And the reason they heard it was because of you, because Living Hope made the resources available to get the gospel there. That's what we do with the gift for Christ. Every year we make it possible for the gospel to go places it's never been before. And then to go back and strengthen those churches. You know, over the last 10 years, 10 years there in, in Nehemiah, West Africa, there was one believer in that area that we knew of, one believer in those villages. Now there are over 400 believers in churches that are expanding throughout the villages. But you know that's still less than 1% of the Songhai who have even heard the gospel of Jesus. There's still so much to be done, and there's so much that, that we must do and partner with. And so the gift for Christ is coming up the first Sunday in November. I want you to be praying about your gift. Also, I want you to be praying about maybe where God would have you to go and to participate, not just in sending and praying, but also in being sent and taking the gospel uh, to the places in the world. In your, in your bulletin, there's an insert. We've sent this week a team to uh, East, Eastern Kentucky. We also have a team in East Asia. And what a joy it is. About every other week, we've got an insert like this saying, hey, pray for these folks who are going into faraway places to take the gospel where it is desperately needed. And that happens because of the gift of Christ. And you know, as a pastor, it gives me great comfort to be able to work with partners. They handle our transportation. They handle our housing. There's, um, there's often security concerns in the places where we go. And to know that they know the terrain, knowing that they know the people and how to guide us and to protect. Also, that they provide for us a vision for an ongoing ministry. We don't just go, leave, done. We go. And then we have this ongoing work that we get to be a part of, and that continues after we go and until we get there again. You know, one of the things that comforts me is I can look back and I can see what God has done. I can see what God is doing, and I know some of the plans of what, what we see that God has for us in the future. And it comforts my heart to know that. And so it is with all God's children. We have the capacity to be comforted by the fact that we can look back and we can see where God has been at work in our life. We can now, if we're walking in the Spirit, we can see now how God is at work in our life. And we can get a sense of the future, of, of what God has for us that is, that is going ahead. You know, our world right now is absolutely nuts. If you think the world is crazy right now, let's take a vote. Who thinks the world's crazy right now? If your hand's not up, you're crazy, all right? <laughs> we want to see you after this. No, but it's nuts. And you know what's even scarier about the, the, the craziness that we're in? We only know a percentage of how crazy it is. We don't know a, we don't know a half of, of a, how bad things are going on in places in the world. I'm not saying it's all bad. Don't hear me being gloom and doom. But friends, this, we ain't in Kansas anymore. This is nuts. And, and, but we've got a God. We've got a mighty God. We've got a great and gracious God. And because he is our God, we don't have to fear man. And, and decisions that humanity makes. We don't have to fear the demons of hell and the work of the evil one all around us. We don't have to fear natural disasters and all the things going on. And here's why. It's not because we're so smart because we got it together. It's because our Father, who is in heaven, loves us. 
He is in control of all things, and He is working all things for good for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Because He is that kind of God. We can be comforted. We can be encouraged. I'm so excited to get to preach this text to you today, because I know all of us, I know in my own heart, I need to be comforted today. I need to be comforted with the reminder of the realities of what Scripture has to show us today. And I hope that your heart is too. you got your Bible, and I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51, and we're going to be in this chapter, but Rachel Thomas is going to come, and she's going to read first verses 12 through 14. So let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Be turning to Isaiah 51, and we're going to look at this whole chapter, but uh, she is going to read for us right now just a, a section of it, beginning verse 12. So Rachel, if you would go ahead and read that for us. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you're afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass? And have forgotten the Lord, your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. And you fear continually all the day, because of the wrath of the oppressor, when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? He who is bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit, neither shall his bread be lacking. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rachel. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Understand, God, God's comfort doesn't come to just anyone. It doesn't come to everyone. It, it does come to those who are pursuing and recovering God's design. If, if you want to be comforted by God, and I know there's not a person in this room who doesn't need God's comfort today, let me, let me help you understand where you need to be to receive that comfort. You've got to be in pursuit of recovering and, and pursuing God's design. The only way you can do that is through the gospel. See, we live in a broken world. And, and thanks be to God, He has come to set us free, to save us from our sin, and to live in our lives. And, and by receiving His love and His forgiveness and His life in us, it frees us to recover and pursue God's design. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still in a broken world. And, and our world is going to continue to be more and more fractured, more and more broken, more and more painful. And here's why. Because sin creates brokenness. And sin seems to be on the increase in our culture in particular. And as sin increases, so there will be more brokenness, there will be more pain. And it means that we all the more need to be telling people of the good news of God, of the grace that He gives, of the fact that they can, they can turn away from brokenness and sin. They can believe in the love of God, which will free them to pursue and recover God's design. And, and that's, where, that's where the comfort is found. That's where, where, that's where we experience God and, and get in on the gifts that He has for us. Those of us who are free to pursue and recover God's design, we will be comforted. This week we were at a conference, some of the leadership, and we went on Thursday, and it was a, it was a great conference, and we were allowed to be a part of a special lunch uh, for uh, a group of leaders, um, and we had, to, we had to, first of all, we had to have that means provided for us, so our administrator made sure it was, it was paid for, so it was, it was ready for us, it was available to us, we just didn't know how to get there. We didn't know how to get that which has already been provided for us, so we go to guest services. And I walk up, and there the guys are behind me. We walk up, and there's this guy who kind of walked right in front of me, single guy, talking to the single guest services girl. And he's just like, so, hey, what kind of resources you got over here? It's like, dude, get a pickup line. Get some game, man, and get out of my way. Get a date later, dude. I've got to get to this lunch. And he's sitting there for five minutes, totally flirting with this girl. And she's still like, you know, let me help you. I'm just dying. I'm looking back at the guys, and they're just laughing because they know, I, you know, patience is not my strength. And so I'm just like ready, right, to just be like, 
go sit down, you're going to hurt yourself. I didn't find that, but I didn't, I didn't say a word. Stood there, prayerfully waiting. And so I finally came to him, and she got to me, it's like, hey, can you tell us, we're supposed to be at this luncheon thing? And she's like, oh, I can't She's like, still like, kind of fluttering from the whole conversation with Mr. No Game. And, and so, she told us where to go. I'm going to tell you, it took faith to believe what she was saying. She seemed to have some accurate information, but I wasn't sure. And I looked at the guys and said, what do you think? Like, what are we going to do? So we took the information, we acted in faith, and guess what? We got to the lunch. And I was so glad because it was so good. We got there, and it was Martin's Barbecue. How many of you ever had Martin's Barbecue from Nashville? See, I didn't have it either. If you go down to Nashville, free advertisement, Martin's Barbecue, it was good. I'm going back. We had that. They gave us free stuff. It was good free stuff. And what was hilarious is when we got our lunch, it looked like everything, all the tables were full. And I was like, well, this is weird. Why would they invite us to lunch when there's not a seat? And we go and, and uh, we spotted this guy who was sitting there by himself and there were backpacks in the chairs around him. So we thought it was full. He said, come sit with me. The backpacks are the gifts. And they were really cool gifts inside those backpacks. So we sit down with the guy and, and you wouldn't believe it. It was almost as if someone, something, God himself had been at work because we sit down next to a representative from the International Mission Board. Someone who is there looking for churches like Living Hope who do what we do in terms of sending missionaries around the world who have partners. And so we had the coolest hour and a half conversation about what God was doing through the International Mission Board, how they could help Living Hope, what Living Hope is doing, and how they can be a part of what we're doing. And it was just the coolest thing. It was so comforting to think, you know what? God designed this. He designed for us to have this conversation, to have these gifts, to, to receive this, and to enjoy this. And this is what God has done for us in our lives. He has provided the means for our salvation. Now, we needed someone to show us the way, and it could have been a, 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 a you know, a, a giggly single girl who said, hey, this is the way that you find uh, faith in Jesus Christ. It may have been someone that maybe didn't seem quite as confident in what they were talking about, but whoever it is that preached the gospel to you and helped you to know that Jesus Christ is the way, you who have acted in faith, you have been saved. And what is your comfort? The comfort is the meal of Christ. The comfort is the people of God. The comfort is the gifts that He gives you in your life. And this great and mighty God, this is what He has done for us so that we can pursue and recover His design for us. So that we can be comforted by what He has for us. And He has so much for us. In our text, what we see, what we need to be doing to pursue and recover God's design and to be comforted by what God brings and what only God can do. Four things I want you to write it down as we look at the text this morning. The first one is this. We've got to believe in God's covenant promise. you got to believe in God's covenant promise to you. You look at who he's talking to here. Verse 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Who is he talking to? He's talking to those who are pursuing and seeking God. Please understand what it means to be a Christian. Please understand it does not mean perfection. I'm talking to someone this morning who's so just struggling, and they're distraught because they're not perfect. And I said, friend, would you wake up? You're never going to reach perfection this side of death. And so here's good news for some of you who say, well, I'm never going to be perfect. Well, good news, none of us are either, so you're at the right place. Keep coming back, all right? But what does God call us to? God doesn't call us to perfection. Hear me. He calls us in a right direction. It's not about 
perfection. It's about direction. Christianity is not about me living a perfect life. It's about me living a, a life that is directed into the pursuit and the recovery of God's design. In a fallen world, yes, our soul is saved eternally. Yes, we are given the righteousness of Christ. Yes, we have a holy standing with God. But so long as we are in this body of flesh, and so long as we are in a fallen world, and so long as we have a devil of hell who's out to destroy us, we're going to struggle. There's going to be difficulties. We're never going to get it right. But here's the thing. It's not about us having perfection. It's about us pursuing the direction of God. And so how do we do that? Well, let me tell you. We just got to obey Him. Look at what God says for us to do. There are some specific commands here that, that you need to really consider and think about. Am I doing this? I mean, am I obeying God in these words? Uh, look at verse 1. It says, look to the rock. Verse 2, it says, look to Abraham. It also says, look to Sarah. Verse 4, it says, give attention to me. It says, give ear to me. Look at verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. It also says, look at the earth beneath. Not only do we look at, at what God is doing, but we also pray for God to be at work in the world as he is in heaven. We look at heaven and earth. Look in verse 7, it says, listen to me. It says, fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. What does God say? He's saying, listen, don't trust in yourself. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at the, the people who are around you. He said, no, no, look to God. Look to heaven. Look to the one who has the power. Look at the Almighty One. And then consider what's going on in the world. And when we do that, when we look to trust in, in God, when we look at what He has done and we trust in His covenant promises to us that He has kept, listen, there's hope because of what God does. Look what God does. Three things I want you to just, you can underline this if that's your Bible. Verse 3, it says, the Lord comforts. Also, verse 3, it says, we will provide joy and gladness. That will be found in her that is dying amongst God's people. There will be thanksgiving provided by God. Verse 6 and 8 repeats this. Righteousness will be forever and my salvation to all generations. How does this happen? How do, we, how do we receive this and enjoy this from God? It only happens when we trust in the gospel and we pursue and recover God's design. It's only when, when we truly understand and, and we truly believe in God's covenant promises to us. We've got to understand God promised before the foundation of the world that He Himself would come and that He would live a holy life and die. And that's what Jesus did. That He would be raised and that we would find life in that resurrected Savior. And so when we trust in Him, believe in Him, focus on Him, look to Him, our hearts are comforted. There is joy. There is thanksgiving. There is so much good from God. But if you're pursuing sin and you're creating more brokenness, there's no comfort in that. There's just more pain. Some of you are creating more pain in your life because rather than pursuing God, you're trying to figure it out on your own. And it's just creating more pain, more brokenness. Friends, by focusing in on the grace that's been given to us by God, and trusting and believing in His covenant promises. Listen, there's, there's comfort. Second thing is this. we got to pray for God's strong presence. Just pray for God's strong presence with you. So 
verses 1 through 8 is, is, is clearly God speaking. But then look in verse 9, the voice changes. Now it is God's people presumably praying what Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would picture them to be praying. And, and look, what, look what he says here. Awake, awake, put on strength. And this, understand, the, the amount of prayer, the attitude that a person has about prayer, and, and, and even the way a person prays says a whole lot about them. As a matter of fact, one of the ways that you and I can measure the, 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 the authenticity, the effectiveness, the genuineness of our faith is how, how often we pray, how it is we pray, and what our attitude is about prayer. Let's look at how these folks were praying. This, this prayer is terrible. They think God is asleep. They begin their prayer, awake, awake, put on strength as though God were asleep. God is awake. They think the best days are behind them. Look at, look at verse, the latter part of verse 9 and verse 10. Was it not you who cut Rahab, that is Egypt in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Talks about how he dried up the seas. Like, they were like, God, you're asleep. You're not even doing anything in my life or the world anymore. I mean, yeah, it was great what you did back then, but you're not doing anything now. And all that we can hope for is something that's going to happen a long way from now. They're, they have, they, they know facts about what's going to happen or what, what God is like, but they're not experiencing Him. So look what it says in verse 11. And the ramps of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, but that has nothing to do with me. Has nothing to do with what I'm going through right now. So many of God's children, some of you sitting here right now, some of you listening right now, this is your attitude towards God. Your attitude is, God, you don't care about me. You're not even awake. You're not aware and awake to my problems. And the best things that have happened, yeah, I had this decision. I had this thing that happened once in the past or a few things that maybe happened, but now there's nothing going on. And yeah, I know heaven's coming, but what does that have to do with my real life now? And so you're not praying, you're not looking to God, and you're not being comforted. You're not being comforted by this powerful, living, gracious God. What we got to understand is, friends, God is with us. God is aware of what we're going through, and He cares about us. Take these verses and write them down and meditate on these promises. This is the true stuff. He is with us. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Why? Uh, do not fear me and dread of them. Why? For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Look what it says in Matthew 28, verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Look what it says in Hebrews 13. Uh, keep your life from the love of money and be content with you have. You don't have to go and try and figure it out on your own. You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to have stuff. Why? For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to depend on a created thing. You don't have to depend on yourself. You have the Almighty God who is with you and who cares about you. And so you and I who believe this, who are pursuing or recovering God's design, we can go to him with confidence. Look what it says in Hebrews 14, 6. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you get that? I know you understand it, but let me ask you this. Do you know how to do that? See, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that there are times when I preach this stuff and you're like, yep, that's great. That's exactly what I should be doing. I don't know how to do it, but it sounds really theoretically sound and, and we should do this. 
real quick, I want to show you what I do every single day. Let me show you how I pray. If you don't have a method of prayer, let me teach you mine. Let me teach it to you based on that, that passage in Hebrews chapter 14, verse 6. So guys, put that up on the screen. This is what I do every day. Write these letters down. P-T-A. three things I do. I study God's Word, and then P, I praise, T, I thank, and A, I ask. I take a page uh, on my, um, on my I, I actually use my iPad, but you can use a, a, a piece of paper. And so I open up every day, every day I open up my, um, my iPad, and, and these are the notes that I take. This is what I do. When I pray, this is what I do. I write down praise. I write down thanks, and I, I write down what I'm asking God for, and I'm very specific in what I'm asking God for, and, 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 all the, and it all hinges on what I'm reading in God's Word. So let's take Hebrews 14.6. Let's read this out loud together. Are you ready? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what can we praise God for about that? PTA using this uh, Hebrews 14, 6 praise. He is God on the throne ruling. That's what that text says. So praise Him for it. You are God. You're on the throne of grace. You are a ruling God. You are powerful. Second thing you can praise Him for, He's the giver of what we need. We can go to Him, and we can ask Him, because He gives us what we need. Those are just two things. There's all kinds of things we can praise Him for, and I'd recommend you do it. Second thing, thanks. What can we thanks, thank God for in this text? Uh, I can approach you with confidence because of Jesus. Look at what it says. With confidence drawn near to the throne of grace. Why can I do that? Because Jesus Christ is the great mediator. He's made the way for me to have access to the Father. He died to pay for my sin and give me his righteousness. So now I can come in Jesus' name to God the Father. And I thank God for that. I can also thank him because you have given me great grace. I can come to the throne of grace because God has given me great grace. So then what do I ask? Well, I can ask for specific needs because we can go to him with our needs. I can ask for help because he says we can go and ask for help. So what do I need today? What help do I need? And those are the things that I would ask based on a single scripture. Friends, you need to be doing this every day. If you do not have a method of prayer, use that one until you find a better one. I've been using this for just over 500 days now. And it has revolutionized my prayer life. Now, let me tell you one thing I, that, that, that's difficult. I don't have enough time. I, don't, I only have about an hour to an hour and a half in the morning for prayer now. And it's not enough time because there's more to praise God for than I have time. There's more that I have to thank God for than I have time. There's more needs within our family than, than I have time to ask. But the time I have, I use it in this way. And friends, this is what God called. Where did I go? Where did my notes go? Wait, whoa, that's what I prayed this morning. That's not going to help you in this sermon right now. But we have to pray. We have to pray for God's strong presence with you and know that he's there. Third thing, we have to abide in God's tender passion for you. And there's comfort in that. See, when we abide in God's love, we're comforted. Look what it says in, in verse 12. Oh, friends, please underline this. Believe this today. If you don't believe anything else, believe this. He says, I, I am he who comforts you. We don't have to fear people. That's what it says in verse 12. 
as long as we do not forget the Lord. That's what it says in verse 13. The evil one and its minions. We don't have to fear him. That's the last part of verse 13. Why? Because we do not have the eternal destiny of the evil one. That's what verse 14. Uh, we don't have to fear nature and its potential destruction. He says, I'm the Lord, verse 15, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. God says, I'm in control. I'm in control of, of what's going on. So, so what do we need to do? We need to rest in him. Look at what it says in verse 16. It says, I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand. You know what that means he's doing? I want you to picture this. I want you to picture, here's, here's God's hand. He's got you right here, and he covers you in the shadow of and I just say, he's got you. Here's the problem. You keep wiggling out of his hand. You keep trying to wiggle out of his hand. You're like a preschooler. You ever try to hold a preschooler's hand whose hand doesn't want to be held and it does the flip, right? Or a baby that you want to keep a hand on and stay in a room and they start crawling. I remember when our little ones started crawling, they found the trash can in the cabinet and there was nothing more fun than to watch daddy have to clean up the trash after they found it, pulled it out. <laughs> so we had to put locks on it because they kept on crawling away. Preschoolers, they're always moving around. You know, I used to judge people who would put their child in a backpack with a, with a, uh, with a, with a cord and time. I don't judge them anymore. I get it. You know why? Because children will crawl into gorilla cages. Do we know this now? They You've got to keep your hand on them. And teenagers, teenagers are always going to push the boundaries. Mom and Dad, your job is to be the bad guy and keep them in boundaries. And can I just tell everybody something? Nothing good happens after midnight. Can I keep saying into that? Nothing good happens after midnight. As a matter of fact, if you're not catching the last of the sports at the 10:30 news, you're missing something important there. You need to get home, mom and dad. Get them home. Do not be out there. Get out of the darkness. Come into the light. And while you're out, don't go to dark places. Bad things happen to good people in dark places. All right. Get yourself in the places that are well lit. Well lit. And mom and dad, do your job. Hold them. You know what our father does with us. He keeps him in the loss. You know, we keep doing wiggling. Wiggling around. No, 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 God. No, 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 I can't trust you. He brings us in. And he holds us. And we got to quit trying to twist and get away from him. We've got to rest in him. We've got to trust him. We've got to abide in God's tender passion for us. Because he loves us. And when we do that, we are comforted. Last thing. we got to stand in God's gospel provision in you. you got to do that. You've got to stand in God's gospel provision for you. You know, it says in verse 9 that they were praying and saying, Wake up, God, wake up. Look what God says to them, says to us in, in verse 17. Wake yourself. Wake yourself and stand up. God is always awake. And he's telling us, he says, you got to wake up. He says in verse 18 through 20, this world's in bad shape. You're in a tough spot. But he said, I want you to know I've taken care of you. Look what it says in verse 22. Thus says your God, I'm sorry, your Lord, uh, the Lord, your God who pleads the case of his people. Look at this, very important. Because I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath, you shall drink no more. What's he saying? I've taken away the, 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 the cup of God's wrath from you. So how do you do that? You remember the night before Jesus died for our sins? Remember what he prayed? He said, God, if possible, take this cup from me. It was the cup of God's wrath. He was praying that it would be removed from him. And you know what God said? He said, no, you're going to drink this cup. 
So when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 What did he do? He drank the cup of staggering. He drank the cup of God's wrath. You know why? So we don't have to. We don't have to. And so what God has done is he has loved us. And now he says to us, we can stand with him because our sin is pardoned, because his love is real, and because he is with us. And when we do that, there is great comfort. Let me ask you. I know God can. I'm asking you about your personal life at this moment. Can God, is God free to comfort you today? Now, I know he is from his end, but are you living a life that can be comforted? Let me tell you, if you are not pursuing and recovering God's design and the power of the gospel and the love of Jesus, you can't be comforted. Because what you're basically saying is, I want to do what I want to do. I want to do things on my own. And let me tell you what you're creating. That sin is going to create more brokenness, and there's no comfort there. The only way you can be comforted is if you are pursuing and, re- and recovering God's design. Remember, it's not about perfection. What is it? It's not perfection set out. Well, it's what? It's direction. It's, are you pursuing the Lord? The only way you can do that is if you have been saved by grace through faith. If you've said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, take over my life, and then are pursuing him. Now, some of you have never given your life to Christ. You need today to give your life to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. I want to take over my life. And he will comfort you. Now, some of you are God's children. But you're not, you keep on, slipping, keep trying to run away from him. There's no comfort there. Some of you need to return to the Lord today. You have been running from him. You need today to say, I'm done running from you, God. Comfort me. Now, some of you have needs. Some of you need help, don't you? Guess what? You can ask. You can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And he will meet you. And he has a plan for your needs. And you can ask him today. And I want to invite you to do that right now. You can do it at your seat. You can grab the hand of someone else. You can pray with them right there. Some folks like to come forward. You're welcome to come forward and bow down on your knees and pray. Whatever you feel comfortable doing. But respond to what you've heard from the Word today and ask God to do it. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord God, we come into this, this, this real special moment where we can, we can reflect on what we've just heard, what we've been singing today, what I preached, um, these scriptures. And Lord, there's some today who need to sit down in their seat and just ask you to forgive them, to save them. Some want to come and get on their knees before you today and say, Lord, hear me, forgive me. Some of your children have been have been wayward, and today they want to say to you, Lord God, I'm, I'm done running from you. I'm, I'm done trying to slip away from you. Please, I, I, I give you myself again. And then, Lord, for others who need your help, Lord, they can right there where they are, they can sit down, they can do it, they can grab the hand of someone there nearby, they can pray there. If they want to come and pray here at the front, Lord, you know, you hear wherever we are. Hear your people now as we as we reflect on what you've done for us and the confidence we have because of what you've done. And hear those who come to you in prayer now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, pray now as we sing together.